Hello and welcome to a new era of seen any good films lately because on my 51st edition of the show I've got a major Hollywood exclusive for you. And I burst out laughing and I was actually taken off the set. I was removed from the set at 10. I should have known then. Yep, that is Johnny Depp speaking to me in his only UK broadcast interview, talking about the next steps in his tarnished career and about his latest film, Minimata, in which he plays renowned Life magazine photographer Eugene Smith. I'll be talking to Johnny Depp in a Seen Any Good Films Lately special after I tell you what I've been watching. I have been running my eye over a host of good films lately as I've just finished programming my first ever film festival. Yes, it's pastures new for me, even after this many years in the film game. I've never put together such a programme before and it's all for the brilliant Green Man Festival. They've given me the giant Synodrome to look after this year and I've selected 23 superb films for it, running from 10am in the morning with new animations such as Moonbound, Dog Tanyon and Ainbow, Spirit of the Amazon. I got those for the kids and their extremely hungover parents to gawp at and just kind of ease themselves into the day. Then we move into more matinee stuff, including the gorgeous Gunda about a pig on a farm, Japanese sports and manga doc, The Witches of the Orient, and the fascinating musical journey of Malian singer Ina Moja in The Great Green Wall. My home is embattled by desertification and drought, migration and conflict. Restoring the land is a matter of survival. It's up to us to create an African dream. I've got some exclusive previews, including Mark Cousins's The Story of Looking, French urban fantasy Gagarine, and Kathy Brady's searing tale of two sisters on the Irish border in wildfire. Kathy will be there for a Q&A after that screening. And Marley Morrison's summer holiday coming-of-age tale, Sweetheart, is also featured. I'm also really pleased to showcase some African cinema with the classic restoration of Usman Semben's Mandabi and the amazing new release from Philip Lacotte, Night of the Kings, set in a notorious Ivorian prison. If you continue to lack of respect, lass. Je ne seras plus protégé. Et toi, Yen, tu redeviendras agneau. Une proie que tout le monde voudra croquer. Qu'est-ce que tu veux dire par là Si tu perds ma protection, tu deviendras un simple valet. <rire> Moi, las, un simple valet Tu veux la guerre Tu me menaces Ouvre les yeux, barbe noire, et regarde autour de toi. And I've got music docs such as Julian Temple's Crock of Gold featuring Shane McGowan and, of course, my guest, Johnny Depp. I've got White Riot. Uh, Both of those films I've featured on the show over the last 50 episodes. So just go back and refer to them to kind of get up to speed. I've got the wonderful Polly Styrene, I'm Not a Cliche, by her daughter, Celeste Bell. And Sisters with Transistors, too, directed by Lisa Rovner, who was also on the show. And... There's the festival premiere of Jazz on a Summer's Day, a new 4K restoration by Curzon of one of my favourite films of all time, when fashion photographer Bert Stern filmed at the hipster enclave of the Newport Jazz Festival in 1958. 
Hi everyone, this is Donna March, and if you can hear that music in the background, I bet you can guess where we are tonight. We're at the Jazz Festival, and let me tell you, it is really wonderful. <laughs> There's local Welsh action too, with black comic thriller The Toll, starring Michael Smiley and talents such as Iwan Rion, who'll be introducing the film and following it up with a Q&A with the writer Matt Redd. And for Midnight Madness, how's about this? I've got another recent Sagful guest, Aubrey Plaza, in the frazzling Black Bear. So, I think that's a pretty good lineup for my first stab at it. Let me know what you think. Running my eyes across that lot has kept me more than busy. I'm just getting nervous that it all goes well down at Green Man. I'll, of course, be reporting back from the festival, hopefully with a nice live podcast recording with one of my special guests. But now, talking of special guests, here's Johnny. Gene, what the hell? People are dying, Robert. Yeah, all day, every day. It doesn't mean you get to fuck up my layout. Oh, God damn it. Am I interrupting your little layout? Now, you guys just go on and make room for... Your fucking oil of Olay ads while innocent people drop like flies, huh, Bob? You're talking about Minamata. Yeah. See, she knows. She's smart. Is there anybody else here as smart as her? A factory there has been contaminating the bay of some fishing village. See? First they called it the strange disease, then dancing cat fever, and now it's simply called Minamata disease. It's fucking monstrous. I've been following it in the Herald and the Times, small stories every couple of months. But no one has really covered it. I mean, it's in the goddamn fish. And that's all those poor people have to eat. The Times has a Tokyo desk. And we have deadlines literally in one hour. So that sounds to me, Bob, like, uh, yeah, time is of the essence. And you know that the cover-up is going to be as much of a story as the story itself. I got to go. Come on. You expect me to send you? You'd be a real dumbass not to. Yeah, it's time for Johnny Depp who's been maintaining a silence recently following the acrimonious and damaging libel trial in the UK High Court against The Sun, who accused him of being a wife-beater. He lost that case, but in it he revealed details of his drug intake and that there were bouts of violence during his relationship with Amber Heard. It was all a bit unseemly, to be honest, especially in the middle of this pandemic. And Johnny has now basically been cancelled. I mean, it happens to everyone at the moment. But he's been let go from the huge franchise of Fantastic Beasts. Frankly, the sooner that lumpen series comes to an end, the better. He's been shunned by feminist groups and fans from these revelations. However, his latest film, Minimata, which he's accused of being buried in the US, is being released in the UK. It's in cinemas August the 13th. And it sees him return to indie movies. And his performance is all the better for it, playing photographer Gene Smith, who in 1971 was persuaded out of a jazz and alcoholic retirement to cover a story about mass poisoning in a fishing village in Japan called Minimata, the poisoning being done by the waste of a large chemical corporation. The pictures Eugene Smith took had huge impact around the world and lifted the lid on the pollution's disastrous human effects. I was allowed to speak to Johnny Depp about the film for a special Q&A session with him and the director, Andrew Levitas, that will go out in cinemas after each screening. I wasn't really allowed to stray off topic and into anything personal, 
but gradually I got what Johnny's been up to and I got what the future holds for him. And of course, I began by asking about his portrayal of bearded, beret-wearing, beatnik photographer Eugene Smith in Minamata. I knew I knew um, a bit about Gene Smith uh, over the years, just based on his, more than anything, the, his work as a war correspondent, you know, the famous photographs. And, and then I sort of got obsessed with the idea that his name, was, he was known as W. Eugene Smith, and I asked this uh, photographer, Mary Ellen Mark, who had worked with uh, Smith many years before. I said, what did the W stand for? And she said, here's what he used to say when he was asked the same question. He would say, wonderful. <laughs> so I, I became obsessed with that kind of personality trait of a guy that just says, the W is Gene Smith is wonderful. And I thought, what a beautiful. So that was really I suppose if there was any seed link to, to, to this representation of Eugene Smith, it's based on that. What did you do to get to him physically? Because it's, a, you know, as always with you, it's a great physical performance. You inhabit the character. Did, did, you, did you look at photographs of him? Did you see footage of him? Or did you bring some, you know, other, you know, bohemian jazz, jazz loving photography characters to it? Eugene Smith seemed to me like one of those on the sort of te teetering into, uh, you know, another another world which would you know which would have been an abstract world like of especially you know in during the 50s he, he, he was very bohemian before his time I suppose almost before that kind of bohemianism you know he was a weathered old wagon and really didn't want to go out on the trump anymore until Minamata uh, arrived at his front door I, I, I always saw him as this sort of uh, sort of curmudgeonly character who just seen too much and heard too much and was tired of talking almost. And then Minamata brought him into back into a, uh, what a position of caring again. I wondered if the, um, the beret was a key to, to having him. It's a, it's a great beret uh, that you've got there. Uh, do you still have the beret? I do, yeah, yeah. I do still have the beret. I, I, I grew very fond of it. Gene Smith, you know, was he was uh, the quintessential image of Eugene Smith to me is is him in that beret with a couple of cameras strapped around his his neck, and you know, with the eyes of someone who marches forward and has really no particular idea what's going to happen to them. He sort of had those eyes, if you know what I mean. What did it, what did it bring to you, Johnny, working? You know, because you're working with Japanese actors. I don't know if, it, if it's something that rubs off. There's a certain style to that school of acting. You know, it's it's ancient and we go back to Kabuki and the whole thing. Did, did it bring something to you? Oh, very much. Because, I mean, it's a culture that is predominantly raised to, to respect not only their space, but people, other people's space. There's a wonderful um, giving and a, a, a freedom of giving. It's like the... Like, uh, Hero, when when I saw the amount of work that he was doing, not I mean certainly as an actor, his work was impeccable. I mean it was it was a straight shot to to the heart. Same with Minami. Same with uh, I mean straight down to the extras were absolutely amazing. But when I saw the work that he was doing when he wasn't working, he was still working. Whether I mean and on set he was whether it was teaching um, extras how maybe little uh, bits on how to act or to react to something 
um, to be natural or whatever. Uh, he was painting signs. He was, it, it, the guy was doing props. He was doing everything. And that that's an act of uh, giving and a constant act of giving. Minami has the same quality in terms of the, the, the way, the respect that they approach you with. And she has, indeed, you know, there were times, it was very difficult to not just break and sort of go, oh, okay, all right, you know, in t- during scenes, because those little peepers are looking up at you, you know, those little eyes are looking up at you and you're going, oh my God, you know, she's burning holes in me. No, it was it was really a great, great experience in, in that way and um, learned a lot of, well, learned a lot about their culture, certainly. It's, it's, it's always been a fascinating culture to me. It's beautiful. And they, and they were the most giving actors I've ever, uh, I've ever seen. You know. Are you a photographer yourself? I mean, amateur or, 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 you know, or, or gifted? Because with, with this, you have to, you know, you couldn't just sort of fumble around with the camera. You have to be at home with it. You know, it's, it's, it's Eugene's tool. You know? Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, it's an extension of him, you know. Um, <clears throat> so taking pictures before on and off for years, having still having very little understanding of the camera. And for example, the, the, um, the scene outside the uh, factory, the sort of revolt, really trying to push film through that camera and get shots. I mean, that was the focus. Uh, that's the only focus I could have uh, during, during that sort of chaotic pandemonium to try to get real shots of these people. So I would check with the, um, our cinematographer uh, uh, and, and, and say, listen, you know, what's the stop and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, at the same time, you're dodging elbows and signs and things like that. So it was uh, that all that was quite real. And uh, and it turned out oddly because I thought none of them were going to come out of uh, some of the photographs actually came out. Andrew told me your, your, your Eugene reminded me a little bit of your Hunter S. Thompson in Fear and Loathing, Johnny, right. where they always said to him they, that he, you know, he was, uh, you know, he he he. He told complete stories, but managed to get to the truth. You know, some of his reportage was heralded as the mo- the least accurate, but the most truthful. <laughs> exactly, one of the best descriptions of all time. <laughs> and I wondered if, if if there was a bit of that that you brought to Eugene too. I, I think that uh, there, there's very much uh, a kindred uh, uh, spirits in in uh, Hunter and uh, Gene Smith. I reckon that they would have been, um, you know, you can imagine, say, like, you know, Hunter Thompson sitting down with Ernest Hemingway and what that conversation would be like. I think with Gene Smith, that would have been a great combination. Those two together ultimately probably would have ended in uh, some kind of combustion of some sort. <laughs> I did see him very much like like Hunter, not interested in uh, other people's uh, ways of uh, you know doing what he did he felt very much like he had uh, he had established his language you know much like hunter and i think that anything after gene smith he knew that there were going to be just eugene smith like photographers i was pouring sweat my blood is too thick for nevada i've never been able to properly explain myself in this climate Okay. Be quiet. Be calm. Name? Frank. And press affiliation. 
Nothing else. Ignore this terrible drug. Yeah. Pretend it's not happening. I'm at the Cannes Film Festival. I'm talking to you from the Cannes Film Festival. Oh, cool. And um, which reminds me uh, uh, of you very much, actually, and, and particularly Fear and Loathing when you, you were here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> many, many times here, actually. Yeah. Kind of a, yeah. The Brave was here as well. I was talking to producer Jeremy Thomas the other night. So, yeah. yeah, that's right. And all of that. 97, man, yeah. Cinema means a lot of things to me. I think that the sometimes um, in our, uh, you know, I suppose as an actor, you make your choices based on the script certainly, and hope that they all align with with everyone's uh, wishes. Sometimes you make films, sometimes you make movies. It's not like there's a, a difference in the work in terms of what I do. There's no difference in what I do. I do the, and my process is is the same every time. There is a difference between film, cinema, and movies. Grand difference, I feel, and uh, this to me was cinema. Minamata was cinema in, 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 in the same way. Andrew, Andrew's approach and Benoit's approach and the, the atmosphere that they created left you with a, essentially a frame to behave in. And, and there was the free, the, that, that sort of freedom to create and yeah, show a, bits of hints of character hints of the crack so that's like that's more like an exploration you know whereas other times uh, when you're making a movie for per se uh, for example um you know you you get in there they want the lines said or the jokes you know spewed and you get out <laughs> that's what it. Try um, to get out so sometimes they pull you back in i think yeah well but um, yeah, no, I, I, I feel like cinema and film are related in that way, but, but cinema, cinema really has a, it's, it's a commitment, you know? So uh, it's, it's not result-driven. Nothing was ever result-driven, even in scenes, because sometimes you, you'll take a left turn or a right turn and uh, improvisation or, and you don't know what's gonna happen. Um, but you're still within the confines or the context of the scene, so you're rolling, and and to 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 have the freedom to and the lib to to liberate the character to that degree, yeah, that's um, that's when you're really making something that is for the people, for the for for, let's say a, you said before how important I mean festivals are for films like this especially 
you know, festivals are the the way for this this film to travel and be seen. I made a, a, a film called The Libertine many years ago, and the only way that that film was ever going to be seen was if it were put into festivals and whatnot. And um, uh, there once was there once was a man called Harvey Weinstein who who decided that that the film should be um, shelved along with Disney. So it, first of all, you're very lucky if you get to make a film and it actually goes through and, and it's done. But to have gone through this experience and have Andrew uh, and, and Benoit sort of lead the parade along with these magnificent uh, um, comrades in arms, these other actors. Yeah, and reminded me of seeing The Liberty. Um, great cast, great, great actors you worked with in that. What was, oh, the, what was the first film you ever saw, John? I think the first film film I ever saw was Cat Baloo. <laughs> Jane Fonda and uh, Lee Marvin. And, uh, Lee Marvin was amazing, yeah. I think that was the first film I ever saw. Where and was then, that? Did you see it at the cinema? Yeah. No, nah, it was on TV when I was a kid. You know, the first time I was ever on a film set, this is an odd story. I'm not sure I ever told anyone this. First time I was ever on a film set, I was uh, I was about 10 years old or something because my family had driven to Disneyland, Disney World in Florida because my father had some sort of business up there. And they were shooting a film in the hotel starring William Shatner and the dude that threw the hats, which is, uh, you know, um, from the Bond film. The James Bond film, yeah. Odd job. Odd job, yeah. So they're shooting a film in the hotel where we're staying and... <laughs> There's a crowd behind, you know, the barricades and they're doing all the, you know, the sticks and stuff. And as soon as they did the sticks and the guy said action and I watched and then I seen the actor sort of turn into an actor. I don't know why, but it made me laugh, you know, and I laughed out loud and, you know, cut. And I'm just a little kid in the crowd, you know, and they warned me. And then the same thing, guy did the sticks and I just went... <laughs> And I burst out laughing and I was actually taken off the set. <laughs> I was removed from the set <laughs> at 10. I should have known then. <laughs> well, it was, it's great to see you in a, you know, on, on the screen in, in Minimal. It's great to see you back on set, you know, doing, doing what you're doing. What, what, what are you up to at the moment? Where, where, where are you? You look like you're... Um, yeah, I'm staying, I'm staying with a friend in, uh, uh, out in the, in the sticks and uh, it's very beautiful and... Uh, I've just been uh, a lot, a lot more music at the moment. You know, recording a lot of music. Well, I've been commandeered by possibly the greatest guitarist that's ever existed, Jeff Beck. We've been doing some music together and some recordings together, and it's uh, so it's been really something. Yeah. Wow. And are we going to see you back on on set again, or soon? Or are they going to they're going to take that ten year old Johnny away away and not let him back on? One never knows. Um, uh, you know, I reckon no, I'll, I'll I'll keep making um, films, but the, the you know now at this point I think uh, it's it's the golden hour to to really make a distinction between the business of Hollywood and all that I've learned about 
<clears throat> the ins and outs and the comings and the goings and the wonderful people and the absolutely heinous people in it. I, I think it's, yeah, it's a sort of the golden opportunity to do exactly what I've wanted to do for years, which is make the films or the cinema that I, that I want stay away from limitations, not allow for any unintended fingers to get into the pie, which is to say, do films that don't, they don't need to be $300 million films, man. That's, you know, that's just, uh, that goes into a, a, a whole ludicrous formula. I mean, yeah. Johnny, great to see you back on the screen. Thank can't you, wait to hear the album, can't wait to see you on the screen again. And this Thank new phase of your career, you know, it sounds exciting, to be honest. Thank you so much, man. It's always great talking to you. Johnny Depp there, vowing to fight on here on Seen Any Good Films lately. I was speaking to him, of course, before it was revealed that he'd be getting the prestigious Donostia Award at the San Sebastian Film Festival in September. This is their sort of lifetime achievement recognition that comes at a very contentious time. I mean, even as I speak, Spanish female filmmakers have launched a protest about this. So... You know, before you cancel me, I've given air to quite a few of these reprobates over the shows. If you look back, Johnny Depp, uh, Woody Allen, uh, Noel Clark, they've all been on this show, as well as plenty of female filmmakers and diverse talents. You know, it's very difficult to gauge what happens retrospectively or after the event. But I'm not taking down those shows uh, for those people that have been cancelled by everyone. So there you have it. Johnny Depp fighting on, keeping his film career going, exclusive here on Scene Any good films lately and that brings me to the end of the show as i get ready for green man and a festival of film under the welsh skies and a very big tent the weather forecast looks all right doesn't look like it's gonna rain so see you there actually rain is better for for the, for the cinema tent because that's when everyone leaves the music there's some great artists at the, at the festival that i'm going to be trying to see in between my films too so let's go out on another blast from the dock. I'm premiering, thanks to Curzon, Jazz on a Summer's Day, re-released in cinemas on August the 30th and featuring the super stylish Anita O'Day. Three, jump, 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 jump. 